All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are back for another Boca Podcast episode. Brand new guest. Uh, and I'm really excited about this one. We were, we were already chatting up a storm before we started recording. Livingston Lee is here with me. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today, Livingston. Yep. Thank you, Nathan, for having me. And we actually connected. I think the first time we connected was it at WPPI a few years ago. Yes. Yep. That was it. Yep. I think we were walking through the MGM um, and we got a chance to chat briefly. And uh, so this this conversation here on the podcast has been a long time coming. I'm finally, I'm glad that we finally got to to make it happen. And um, you're you're a photographer, but I have to go ahead and kind of break the fourth wall here and. Tell our listeners, I'm, I've, I've alluded to this on the podcast. I've been learning how to trade in the market, to day trade in the market over the last nine months or so, um, kind of around the time that, that uh, coronavirus kicked in. And I, I found out that Livingston is also doing the same thing, has, has been doing the same thing for way longer than I have. And so I got really excited. I was like, oh, man, we're going to have to have some conversation about this. But photographer, how long have you been a photographer now, Livingston? Uh, I've been shooting since about 2014. Um, you know, I would say professionally, that was kind of around the time. Uh, I mean, that was right around the first wedding that I did that, you know, I charged someone for it was right around 2014. Okay. So I would say, yeah, maybe about uh, six years, somewhere around there, seven years. Okay. And you said you started trading about the same time, correct? Yeah, 2013 is when I started trading. Okay. Um, you know, when I first opened my account and and saw something different and I said I have to do this more. So, yep, since 2013 is around the time I was doing that. Yeah, there is something and, and by the way, for everybody listening in, this is not going to be an episode about day trading in the marketplace. Uh, but <laughs> I, I had to geek out for a second. You you mentioned opening up your account and seeing something there and and getting excited. There there is something about that first kind of hit that you get, if you will, of mm-hmm. of uh, you know, a win um yes. in the marketplace. And it could be it could even be a few bucks. I I think the big yep. the first experience that I had that just really grabbed my attention was not knowing anything at all just being in robin hood and i think three days in a row i made 800 bucks within the span of a few minutes so we're talking like 2400 dollars within the span of, of a few days yep and it was just it was like what in the world is this you know <laughs> yes <laughs> um and and so the i saw the potential there now the mistake that i made was then getting overly excited rushing in and then making kind of all the, the massive list of, of kind of stereotypical rookie mistakes in the trading world. And I lost a bunch of money. Mm-hmm. Um, Probably since... half of what you made. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I won't divulge numbers, but it wasn't pretty. Um, but, but that being said, I've, I've learned a lot since. And, and it's actually been a really good exercise in discipline on multiple levels. Um, I've loved learning the technical side of of trading, and I've certainly grown as as an individual as a result of having to learn the disciplines associated with trading, and and now I'm also developing a skill set that will you know that could easily enable me to double my my monthly income, um, and and I'm pretty excited about that. But I, I just want to kind of throw that out there, kind of whet the appetite of those listening in. And and Livingston, maybe we'll, we'll end with this and we'll actually get to photography. What would you suggest as kind of like a first resource for our listeners if they're interested at all in whether it's day trading or investing? Um, I would say uh, get on the uh, Investopedia. Okay. Uh, that's a that's a good resource for just kind of learning the the jargon that we use in the trading world. And, um, you know, I offer just some free 
um, online like Zoom classes that I'm doing just to kind of get your feet wet and show you around. You know, if they if anyone is interested in that, they can, you know, reach out to me and let me know and I can I can get them on one of the calls. Well, that's really cool. Okay, so of course, we're going to link to all your contact info um, later on. We'll put that in the show notes. And of course, if you're listening in, anybody listening in now, um, first of all, you can go to Livingston's website, his photography website. We are going to talk about photography. It's just livingstonlee.com, just like it sounds. And then Livingston Lee photo on Instagram as well. And we'll link to those in the show notes. Uh, I want to throw out one resource for uh, for our listeners as well. Again, if you're curious about this world and, and you want to, you're interested in maybe studying it over the long run, because it, it does take some time certainly to um, to get there, but how to day trade for a living um, by a, ga- a guy named uh, Andrew Aziz. is a, It's a book that I read a little while back and, and um, I, I really can't recommend it enough. In fact, I wish I'd had, I'd read that book at the very beginning because it, it lends perspective um, and good introductory perspective to the world of trading. Incredible resource. And I think the Kindle version is all of like three bucks. Uh, so easily accessible. We'll link to that in the show notes at bocapodcast.com as well. And uh, maybe one of these days, Livingston, we can come back and, and actually do a show just geared around in, investing and day trading uh, for those who might be interested. I would love that, man. I, yeah, I can talk about it all day long. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Well, we're going to, for for those who are like, hey, this is a photography podcast. Let's talk photography. We're, we're going to do that now. We're going to get to the questions that I would normally ask uh, at the beginning of our podcast episodes. And then we're going to get into a really interesting topic today. We haven't dealt with this topic a whole lot on the show in roughly 500 episodes or so that we've recorded. We're going to talk about file management, but specifically protecting files, backing up files, and uh, Livingston's got a workflow for you that he's going to suggest. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But to start with, Livingston, talk to me about your photography business's brand position. What's the the unique value proposition that you offer to your marketplace? I think the the um, the brand position that um, I offer in my marketplace and and the the market here is not as big as one as like a DC uh, or New York or somewhere like that. Um, it is a pretty decent one though but um what i offer is uh photography and video um at a fair price okay you know um and i offer i also offer a wedding album with each package so that way you know you have something tangible to go back on and i know um it's probably some photographer saying no 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 don't do that you know but you know for it's not a a you know, the best album you can get, but it's something to give to, you know, my couples after the wedding for some, something for them to hold on to, you know, so that, that's what I offer, um, as a, as a brand position that I know a lot of, um, other photographers in this area that they don't offer that. So, you know, I offer it and, and sometimes that's a leg up for me. For sure. Well, and that's kind of the idea behind a brand position to begin with is, uh, number one, we, we create differentiation, separation, right? In, in the sense that there are, especially in 2021, there are so many photographers out there. So how do we create distinction so that we could stand out from the noisy industry and capture the attention of a potential client? Um, ideally, well, certainly we can do that in a number of ways, but one of the, the, the most effective ways, um, I think, and one that's just not discussed enough in our industry is a distinct brand position. Now, the, the, you have an interesting brand position. You're talking about um, offering wedding photography services uh, and videography and photography services at a fair price. 
Um, that's also something that you don't see a lot. Some photographers start their businesses and offer inexpensive package prices, uh, but I don't see many photographers specifically running on that brand position. Believe it or not, um, I'm actually in the process, kind of slow process, because I've got so many things on my plate at the moment. But uh, Livingston, I'm I'm getting ready to relaunch my photography business here in in Chattanooga. Um, I shot weddings for nice. about 12 years, but I'm actually going to launch on that on that very very similar position. Um, and right now, that brand position statement is very simply affordable wedding photography for Chattanooga couples. And um, the the reason or one of the reasons that I'm running on that is because number one, there's a massive need for it in the marketplace. Like no matter how much you know, I, us and I say egotistical kind of uh, tongue in cheek, but us egotistical photographers talk about how you know we need to charge high prices for our beautiful artwork. No matter how much that conversation goes on and how much significance it may carry, there's still a massive segment of the market that simply can't afford five thousand dollar wedding photography. And and somebody's got to offer that service at a lower price. When I got married, my parents paid six hundred bucks for my wedding photographer, and that was a lot of money for them. And, <laughs> wow! And and that's the reality for a lot of people, right? So, who's serving that market? It, it, I think it needs more than just um, it needs to be more than just a stepping stone where photographers are coming into the market and they shoot there for a little bit and then move up. Somebody's got to serve that market consistently, proactively. And so I love that you have that that brand position. But one of the things I wanted to get to is that it, it's not it's one thing to say that you do that. It's another thing to also do it. We have to follow through on the brand position statement. And that's really important as well. And that will enable us to stand out above the competition. So I love that you're running that direction. And when you talk about kind of at a fair price, like what's a starting price point for your wedding photography services? The starting price point uh, for my services is about $1,800. Nice. And um, that's right around a, you know, a six hour, six hours, Yes. Wedding photography, only one photographer. Yep. And um, you get a little small book with that. Yep. And, um, you know, that that's right around where I start at. Now, when you start to add in a second photographer and a bigger album and you add the video in and all of those kind of things, you know, you, you start to get more uh, closer to the $3,000 range. And, you know, and then if you if you want to move up where you want parent albums and things like that, you kind of get up into that four thousand dollar range. OK, somewhere around there. Okay. So um, I, I try to be fair and, you know, try to offer an experience to my couples that, you know, that that something that would probably in D.C. or New York would cost seven or eight thousand dollars. Yep. But, you know, when you when you're dealing with a, a, a smaller area like what, where, where I am and I'm close to Baltimore as well, I'm from Baltimore, actually. And, um, you know, it, it that market is I mean, that base is right around the, the, the price point where you see people just offering two photographers mm. and, you know, eight hours of photography. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we're also throwing in some video as well for, you know, an additional add-on wow. and, and customers like it Well, because it, it's a one-stop shop. Yeah. Okay. I, this is, well, this is a really important conversation. I'm, I'm glad that you went in this direction because it's a good reminder for all of our listeners too to, to do a couple things. One, you pointed out to to be aware of the marketplace and what they're charging in a particular marketplace. I think the other thing to do, and, and I've mentioned this before for our listeners, uh, but for for those of you listening in, go to theweddingreport.com. And uh, and if you go to wedding, and it's actually wedding.report is what it corrects to, but we'll link to this in the show notes. Uh, for those of you who are either starting a new business or maybe in the process of wanting to refine 
uh, your business and kind of retarget uh, who you're actually going after is your ideal client. Take a look at this information. It's pretty fascinating. Um, Livingston, you mentioned 1800 bucks, and that actually falls within the, the about 2000 1800 to $2,000 uh, price point, which represents, at least according to the wedding report, about say between 70 and 80% of weddings shot in the U.S. Uh, and so there's this massive, massive segment of the market that, as I pointed out earlier, largely acts as kind of a stepping stone. It's either it's either a place for, you know, part-time shooters or for photographers who are like, you know what, I want to shoot for $5,000 or $10,000 at some point, but I'm going to build up to that. And so they come in, they shoot at that price point, and then they move on. Meanwhile, the biggest segment of the market, potentially the, the most amount of money altogether, is in this segment, and, and yet it's not being proactively served. So I, I think it's great that you're there. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for more photographers to go there, but you have to be aware of that opportunity. And and um, so for those of you listening in, take advantage of these resources like the Weathering Report to make those decisions intelligently for your business. That's really cool. Well, talk to me then about your experience. And, and actually, especially in light of the segment of the market that you're serving at this price point, what is what would you say has been one of the most important principles in delivering a great customer experience? What have your customers responded really well to? In my my um area, you know, what I like to do is is be myself. Okay. Um, and you know, I always like to be there um for my customers and be honest and upfront with them if I can't deliver something. You know, and you know, and, and when I say being upfront and honest, you know, sometimes they may say, Hey, do do you offer uh something like a same day edit? And and I don't offer that. You know, or they may want uh, something like, um, you know, like uh, want their pictures back in seven days. I, I don't offer that. So I try to be upfront with them about what I do offer, what mm. I can do and what, you know, and what I can't do. Mm-hmm. And if they want a certain style of, um, you know, of photography, um, something that they're looking at, maybe on a, a Pinterest mood board or something like that. And, you know, and it's not my style of shooting, then I'm, I'm letting them know right up front that, you know, that's not the the way I shoot, you know, and, and maybe they should get that person. But that's not the way I shoot. Just just so that I'm up front with them, you know, and 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 also, you know, I'm also being humble when I'm on site with my with my couples, you know, because when we when they first reach out to us. You know, we, we're so excited to talk to them and, and to try to get them to book with us. And then after they book, then, you know, some people, you know, they don't keep that engagement with them. Or if the custom, if, if the couple reaches out to them to ask them a question, they may take a day or two to get back to them. But before they book with you, you know, you, you got back to them really quick. But now, since you already have them booked, now you want to, you know, not, oh, they're not that important. So I treat my customers uh, my couples rather as if, you know, it's, they haven't even booked and I want to answer every question that they have as soon as they ask it. I love the proactivity and managing expectations. That, that's that been a theme that's come up on the podcast, but I think it's so good that, you know, it, and I wish I'd written, you know what? I think they did write this down. Um, there was a quote that I heard on a, a podcast that was just, it really stuck out to me. And it's actually, um, I say a podcast on our podcast, Nina Larson Reed, <laughs> um, who I interviewed a little while back, she said, people only get upset if they feel confused or lied to. 
And I, I'm not so worried about lying to somebody. That's not how I function. But the, the confused part was really interesting. Am I, am I communicating? And this, this is true with my, my team at Photographer's Edit and the Boca Podcast. Um, it's true in my interactions with other photographers, with potential clients. Am I communicating with them in such a way uh, that is easy to understand? Am I proactively managing expectations? Am I making assumptions in, the, in, in, in communication um, that are ultimately affecting our conversations negatively? Or am I assuming that they know something that really I actually haven't communicated clearly? There are all these things associated with good communication that um, I, I still have so much to work on in that regard. I, I love, I, and I have a lot of respect too, actually, Livingston, for the, the fact that you are putting so much emphasis on this idea. Did that come naturally for you? Did it come from your your experience working with other companies? What what was the motivation, I guess, for communicating more proactively, managing expectations in that way? Well, it, it, it's, it's kind of the same way. Like I, I run my home the same way, you know, my wife, my children, you know, all of that is, is kind of ran the same way, you know, it, expectations and, and just always having a process with something, you know, so when, when it comes to being upfront and being honest, that's just something that I like to put that expectations of, of what I need out there up front. Okay. You know, so yeah. And just, you know, just being a humble person, man, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm taught that, you know, with the church that I attend and all of those things, yeah. man, we, you just gotta be humble. You know, you can't feel like, you know, you're untouchable, you know, you have to be that humble person that, that can lend a hand or even help someone, you know, if, if, if they need help. You know, and I'm sure all of us do that or talk about doing it. But, you know, do, do we actually do it? Do we actually put the action in place? You know, so you should always be willing to help someone, you know, maybe someone won a wedding, but they don't have all of the money, you know, so you, you figure out a way to, you know, make sure that you can still get this couple if, if the, your style is what they need but they just don't have it, you know, you, you try to help them out where you can. And sure. I know it's not everybody do that, but you know, that's, that's part of who I am. And that's part of being humble to me. Wow. That's good. That it's encouraging. It's, it's inspiring. Um, and I appreciate the the example and, and certainly I can see the humility. I mean, in the conversations that we've had um, and you were talking about just being yourself in the way that you interact with your clients. Uh, I, I guess really, and I'm, I'm fumbling for words here, but really just, the, the general interaction and conversations, whether you and I have talked in person, we've talked, uh, we were messaging even last night via instant messenger, like mm-hmm. you, you just have this genuinely friendly vibe about you that um, I, it's, it's not easy to be that way so consistently. But my experience with you, Livingston, that has been the case. And it's a good example for me. It's a good example for all of our listeners um, to, to just intentionally work at that. And you mentioned humility and the significance of communication as it relates to that too. I mean, I understand learning that in the church, having spent years and years in church myself. Um, was that something that, that your family instilled in you as well? Like where does the, the value system for that, that in, I guess the importance of communication and of humility come from for you? Well, my dad always taught, you know, me and my brothers and uh, sisters, you know, he always taught me hard work, you know, had us working at a young age. So, you know, just to want to help anything with the family or or just want to help anyone in public or, you know, just to give back. That's Mm. one of the big things that I like to do is is to give back and, you know, make sure that, you know, not just I'm not just the only one that that has. Uh, that's eating, 
you know, everyone is eating, you know, and, and that's just been the way that, that we've been, we've been raised, you know, and my, and my dad put a lot of that in me, my mom as well. I cannot forget her. <laughs> you know, she, she said a lot of prayers for me when I was young, you know, as, yeah. as a knucklehead and thinking that, you know, everything. And, sure. you know, she, she's instilled a lot of things in me as well. You know, sometimes just having a hands-off approach and then coming back and saying, See, I told you, mm. you know, so I learned a lot that way mm-hmm. as well. But mm-hmm. yeah, yep, yep. Family values, man. Oh, it's good stuff. Well, speaking of family, um, this is a great segue to to my next question about time. Um, we talk a lot about time here, and it's largely because of my experience in personal relationships, as especially as they relate to work and how work can, and many times, or many cases, interfere with those relationships. I'm curious how you're managing uh, I mean, we mentioned day trading, but then managing being a photography business owner and then also having family, a personal life. How do you, are, are there certain principles when it comes to time management for the sake of kind of balancing all of those things on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, I, I, well, Nathan, I use a lot of automation, man. Like I, like we previously discussed, you know, I, you know, and my wife sometimes says that, you know, look, some, we can't have a process around everything, you know, but, <laughs> it's true. you know, I, I beg to differ, you know, I'm just like, nope, we need a process. Let's make a process. And and she, sometimes it gets on her nerve, Yeah, but, um, you know, I like to have a process around everything, man. Even, sure. even my days, you know, all right, I'm going to do this on Monday. I'm going to do this on Tuesday. Yep. You know, I, I like to have all of those things written down and, you know, time I'm going to spend with my family, you know, because as a wedding for photographer most weekends you're out shooting you know whether it's uh whether you're shooting your own weddings or you second shooting helping another photographer or something like that you know it it's most of your weekends are gone so you really have to find time to spend with your family so that way you know it it, you don't have to worry about them saying hey we we didn't spend this time together we didn't spend that time together Mm -hmm. you know so yeah yep it's it's super important. And it is. I mean, do you have kids? I do. How many kids do you yep, have? I do five. Oh wow. Okay, guys. <laughs> so they're going to keep. What I was going to say is my my kids used to when they were quite a bit younger. In particular, there was uh, we used to do this um, thing called fun. Well, we just called it Fun Sunday. So basically, fun. Well, it was actually Fun Monday before they started school. So Fun Monday was the day that that all computers were shut down. Mm-hmm. And they knew that that they were that we were going to spend time with them. We're going to go out and do something. We're not going to work, and that was the expectation that was created. And and they would kind of they would hold us to that. It changed to fun Sunday when when uh, they started going to school on Mondays, of course. Uh, but there's something about having the accountability and and the kids being right there, being like, "Hey, Dad, <laughs> let's let's go do something." <laughs> right. Yep. Exactly, man. You got to spend that time with your children because yeah. you know you just. You just never know what can happen when you can't spend that time. And then as they get older, you know, it's just like, and then they're gone. Yep. You know, so yeah, you, you definitely want to spend time with them and have those memories, you know, with, with your family. So speaking of time management, let's talk about delegation uh, because, mm-hmm. and, and I'm really curious to get your take on this actually after your comment about systems, the significance of systems. It, we can't effectively run our businesses in a scalable manner, especially if we want to grow them. Uh, without at least experimenting with with delegation, and and interestingly enough, automation is is kind of a a way of delegation, if you will. We're kind of we're delegating some of our processes to a software or softwares that help us automate our workflow, and that's super helpful. But then the next step, of course, is to delegate to an individual or to a company. Is this something that you've experimented with? 
Absolutely, man. I, I've it's since 2019, uh, two years ago, I've been sending my weddings to your team. Um, and it, it's the process has been the, I mean, the experience has been great. You know, if, if I feel like something is not right or it yeah. was done a little too much or a little too, or, or it wasn't done enough, I send it back. No problems, no issues. You know, we'll take care of it. Sure. And, um, you know, I've, I've turned other photographers onto it and, you know, and, you know, one of the things that I've, I've learned and, and, and I want to make sure I stay on topic. One of the things that I learned is, you know, you at every once in a while, you feel like no one is going to do it like me. But if you don't ever give someone else a chance to try and do it, then you'll never know if someone else can do it like you or do it better. Yeah. And, you know, that's the point I was when I was um, editing. I was just like, eh, no, because they're not going to do it the way I want to. Mm. But, you know, I send in a couple example photos and say, hey, guys, this is what I want. Yeah. And voila, you know, I get it back. I don't have to worry about it because I can focus on other things like spending time with my family, you know, trading, you know, yeah. all of those things, yeah. you know, getting out, riding my bike and all of that stuff. I don't have to worry about being glued to my computer to edit the photos because I, it's, it's companies out there that, that do that, you know, and, and, you know, and when my buddy told me, um, he was telling me something about, I think you or something. I said, Oh yeah, man. I said, I listen to the podcast all the time. I said, I, I sent all my stuff to them. Hey, what? I said, yep. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep, well, yep. I, I appreciate the kind words and, and just to be very clear um, and upfront, not only with you, but everybody else, I, that, that question was totally not meant to be a, a setup. So you could talk about PE. I wasn't even <laughs> thinking about that, um, yeah, but the, yep. the very, very kind words. And I, I do appreciate that. And thank you for the opportunity to work with you. And, and you're right. Not only do we have to at least give others an opportunity to be able to prove themselves. I mean, this, this notion, in fact, I had my friend Thomas Flint on, on the podcast some time ago, and, and he talked about the ego at, at play there, where, we're, where we get this idea in our head. And it's not just with editing, of course, anything that we want to delegate. Um, it's, it's super important that we, that we keep an open mind to it. And this idea that, that nobody else is going to be as good as me, that the, the ego innate to that kind of a statement is, it's really unfortunate, right? And it gets in the way of potential growth personally and certainly professionally and as a business. And, and, and so we have to be open to the idea that somebody else could, can help us. I, I think that's a really great reminder. Yep. Yep. Yeah, man. I, I've, and that's how I ran across the Boca podcast as well. You know, um, I was uh, uploading some uh, pictures or something like that. And as I was uploading them, I saw, you know, a podcast. And I was just like, well, what is this about? And I saw the word Boca. And I said, well, it got to be about photography. I am on a <laughs> photography website. Yeah. And I start checking it out, man. And, and I'll tell you what, I've learned so much, you know, just listening to the past guests that you had on, man. And, and it's just been awesome just, you know, to listen to the way that other people do things, man, mm. it's, it's just been awesome to, to hear other people, the way, how they approach things, you know, and, yeah. and man, I, you know, I get my pen and paper out and I'll be writing some yes. stuff down and I say, oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, <laughs> you know, all of that stuff, man. So that's how I stumbled up on the, on the Boca, you know, podcast. That's cool. And, you know, I never knew, you know, who you were or anything like that until I stumbled upon the, you know, the Boca podcast. And I was like, man, I, w- 
wouldn't mind getting on there and doing something, you know? And then yeah. when we met at WPPI, my buddy was like, man, you know, you, you should get on the Boca podcast, man. He'll, you know, cause he was already on. Yeah. So, you know, and, and one thing led to another man and here we are. So. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. I, I think it was, was it Chip that connected the two of us? No, it was uh, Kenny. Kenny Clapp. Oh, Kenny. That's okay, man. Yeah, it was wow. Kenny Clapp. Yep. Yep. I know Chip too. He's a great guy. He's good, good at marketing. I know him too. Yeah. Yep, yeah. yeah. Yep. Wow. That's funny. Kenny. Yeah. Shout out to Kenny too, man. It's been a long time since I've had the chance to, to connect with him. No, it, it's, it's really, um, it, it, just to kind of go back to what you were saying though at Livingston about the, the outsourcing, it's, I think it's an interesting thing both to give others an opportunity, but then also, and I want to get your take on this when it, you talked about sharing images with our team in order to communicate your editing style. I think, you know, part of the things it'd be very easy in the process of delegation to get frustrated with the process. Um, and certainly I've, I've been there, um, as somebody who works with my team, whether, you know, and it's funny, it's not just with uh, on a professional level, we want to communicate something to our kids. Hey, go do this thing. I need you to do this thing. If we don't actually communicate well enough to begin with, then that thing may not get done very well that's on us at the end because we didn't communicate well. Communication is such an important part of this delegation process. And we have to take some responsibility for that rather than just writing the person off because it didn't turn out well the first time. We need to ask, hey, did did I clearly, first of all, did I clearly understand what it is that I wanted? Because that can be a major problem in the process if we don't. But then did I communicate that in a way that that is clear and that resonates with the person on the other side of the conversation so that they can actually carry out the job effectively? So I'm curious from your experience and your perspective, what did what did you feel like helped in that process of communicating what it what it was that you wanted our team to do well i would um i would get i would uh edit the first you know maybe 40 or 50 photos um and i would try to get you know two or three or four photos from each scene um so they knew exactly what i wanted so instead of just maybe doing the first 10 of getting ready or uh you know the first 10 of the ceremony or something like that i would try to do you know three or four images from each scene yeah. of the day yeah so and then i would i would send in you know between 30 to 50 images and say hey here's what i'm looking for you know and i would send them in as my examples okay. and then you know it it's, i would whatever editor is working on them would send them back. And I had one time they, they did it and, you know, they, they had it, uh, you know, kind of in that, um, uh, I guess that bright and airy look. Yep. I was just like, wait a minute, guys, that's not my style. You right. know? So, yep. Yep. <laughs> and, um, I sent it back, man. And I mean, man, it was within like a day. I mean, they sent it right back with exactly what I wanted, you know, with, cool. with, with no if ands or buts about it. And, you know, and, and that's that communication, man, yes. that, that, you know, that I look for, you know, uh, you know, are you going to message me back and say, well, we did it this way because of so-and-so, or are you just going to just get right to it? And, yeah. and so that way we can move on. And, yep. and that's what happened. Good. So, yeah. I'm, I'm so glad. I'm so good. And it's great to hear your experience. And, and, and to reiterate, this was not meant to be a big commercial for Photographer's Edit, but then it's nice to hear your experience. <laughs> and, and especially again, and this is something I've tried to talk a lot about here on the podcast in the last four to six months or so, the, the importance of communication. Um, you know, the, the person 
outsourcing or delegating whatever the work is, whether it's you know, email management or editing or album design or accounting, whatever it is, has to be open to the fact that this is a, when you begin to delegate something, it is a process. And that process includes communication. If it's going to turn out positively in the end, it requires communication, open communication. And that's super important. So you have to be willing to do that. I really appreciate the fact that you were willing to do that, Livingston. I'm glad that it played out well in the end. Um, and I think it's a great example, too, for all of our listeners when it comes to delegation, how to go about that process. I think that's really, really cool. But I want to transition to the next question. Um, I, I think just knowing our conversation style, we could probably be here for like two or three hours. I, I want to respect <laughs> your time. Um, Talk to me about an impactful business or self-help book that you've read or listened to in the last few years that, that you would recommend to our listeners. Um, one of the uh, books that I've, I listened to was a book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Yes. Yeah. Um, awesome book, man. I mean, I've learned so much from that book and it made me really think about, really made me think about the way how I go about my day and just listening to my instincts and yeah. not always second guessing myself, you know? So okay. that was one of them. Uh, the tipping point was another good one yes. um, that he wrote. Another book is uh, leaders eat last was a good one for leadership yes. and things like that. And um, one for something that, that I've been, you know, transitioning to and getting into is called uh, the Burr the Burr strategy for real estate. Okay. Um, that was another good one that I that I listened to, and uh, it was really really straightforward and helped me a lot. So um, that's that's kind of some of the books that I listened to. You know, besides uh, one that I listened to back, my dad gave me man, which changed my life was um, Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yes, man, I tell you what, that book changed my life back then. Yep. It made me think about things completely different. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, I, I, that, those are the books that, you know, that have inspired me a lot. Oh, so that's good. stuff. okay. We're going to link to all yeah. these and shout out to Haley who, um, puts together our show notes at bocapodcast.com for those of you listening in, make sure you take advantage of those and we'll list all these. We'll link to them on Amazon so you can easily go pick a copy up. Um, and, and that's really good. Actually, we also have a list for those of you listening. If you go to bocabookshelf.com, we've got a collection of the most popular titles that have been mentioned here on the podcast. And I think Rich Dad, Poor Dad may be in that list too. It's definitely a popular one. I read it a number of years ago as well. Super, super powerful. Good stuff. Well, yes, I, yes, we're going to put that information in the show notes. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into kind of our primary topic, if you will, our main focus today, which has to do with protecting our clients' files. And this is something you actually alluded to me um, in, in our email conversation, Livingston, I think it was previous to our interview today, but you said that it's not a topic that we hear discussed a whole lot in our industry. Why do you think that that is and, and what ultimately made you particularly curious about it? Um, I, I think it's not discussed as much because I, I think that as photographers, I don't think that we think about that. The the technology part of it, mm -hmm. I don't think is thought about. I think we we think about the um, you know, the making it look great, making it look good, the the style, the you know, making sure that it's it's out on uh social media and all of those things, you know. I, I think we think about that a lot more than we think about protecting what we have and making sure that we have that backup structure so that way we're not losing anything. You know, one of my rules is if you don't have the data, you don't have nothing to show, you know, so you have to have that data. 
And I don't think that as photographers, we think about that. We just, we, we don't think about those natural disasters that can come at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we, we think about just getting out shooting and, and coming home, you know? So I, 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 that's the reason why I think that it's not talked about as much. Well, it's not a super sexy topic either, right? <laughs> it's, it's not, a, it's not, <laughs> it's, it's like, not. it's not one of those things that people just sit around talking about just for the fun of it. So yeah, like new cameras, you know, that's, yeah, that's an yeah. awesome topic to talk about. I can talk <laughs> cameras all day, yeah. but when you're talking about backing up, it's like, eh, no, it's not fun. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. Well, so I have to at least ask before we get into some of the, the, the technique behind your workflow, have you ever had like a really nerve wracking file loss or file management story that you can share? Um, I have not. I had a buddy who, who did, um, he, uh, he was not shooting on two cards like okay. I recommend. Okay. And he was shooting on one card and he took a, he took a card out, put it in his camera and it was already a wedding on it. And he shot over that wedding. Oh no. So yeah. <laughs> oh man, that's it got it got really really bad and uh yes. So Was he I able mean, to recover at least some of the files? He was re- he was able to recover it. I think it was had to be sent away, but he yeah. was able to recover it. But um you know, that that that's the importance of of that type of stuff. Um and I did have one time I was changing something from one hard drive to another and I mean it was so deep, you know, when when you're transferring all these files over, I I made a mistake and deleted one, and um you know good thing I had it on a backup on uh, my bigger uh, eight terabyte hard drive, and I just recovered it from that. But you know that that was like the biggest horror story that I had so oh, far. <laughs> that stuff is so nerve wracking. I I think I maybe mentioned it uh, in a previous episode, but I think the worst that I ran into with a with a digital card, and surprisingly so, because when I was shooting digital, I was actually a, a pro photographer shooting weddings when that transition from film to digital happened. And you know the technology wasn't near what it is now, so I, it's a little bit surprising thinking back on it that it that I didn't have more issues. I think I lost some files on a card that had, had corrupted. But it was it was easy enough that I think we were able to just go use some software extract and we were able to get like ninety to ninety five percent of the files at least back, um, and it ended up not being a huge issue. At one point, I lost when it was film. I think I lost one roll of film, but fortunately, I was photographing with somebody else, so that, you know we kind of had a backup in place. And never never anything super stressful or not detrimental ultimately to the client really in any significant way, but. I, I would just hate for any of our listeners to run into that type of a situation in the future. So, of course, we're going to proactively talk about how they can manage those files more effectively. Let's actually start with behaviors, whether you've you've seen this or you've, you've heard this through conversation, seen it in forums or in Facebook groups or whatever it might be. Um, any, any particular file management practices that you'd like to suggest photographers should avoid? Before we talk about what they should be doing, let's talk about what they shouldn't be doing. What they shouldn't be doing um, is a. I would say uh, one of the one of the things that that I always uh, tell you know photographers just starting out is, you know, if you're at a wedding and you're photographing someone's day, yeah. make sure that you're you're shooting the two cards because you just never know what can happen. Um, so I would say not to avoid shooting the two cards. <laughs> okay, now I'm I'm curious about this one because you know I saw the. 
I'm trying to think if it was last year or the year before. Was it Nikon that came out with Nikon. Yeah, mm-hmm. one of their mainstream or their main pro cameras or semi pro cameras and it didn't have the second card slot. And again, having come from, you know, shooting digital or weddings on digital back in like what was it, two thousand five, I guess, when we made the transition to the Nikon D one X and, you know, six megapixels and terrible dynamic range and, <laughs> and certainly only one card slot at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this was just, and of course, then previous to that with just one roll of film on my camera, the, the concept is a little bit lost on me if, if I'm honest. Do you, is it, you know, because for example, if, if I have one camp, one card and, and, I'm, and I'm shooting with it and it corrupts, even back then with, with the limited technology that we had, I was able to use software and get the files off the card. What what are the chances? Is this just a matter of kind of minimizing any potential chance that anything could potentially go wrong? It's just the backup of the backup kind of thing. Yeah, this for me, it's a, it's a backup of what you're shooting. So you're shooting to both at the same time. Sure. So what's landing on card one is landing on card two as well. Right. So if card one get corrupt, then you still have card two. You know, or if you're leaving the wedding. And you, you know, uh, something happened, you get into an accident or something, you know, I mean, a wedding is probably something you wouldn't really be worrying about. You're worrying about not getting hurt in an accident, but let's just say your camera get thrown across the street or something like that. And yeah. you got both cards in it, you know, then what do you do? But if you have one in your pocket and then keep one in your bag, then you may be okay. But so it's always good to have, you know, a backup of, of everything, you know, it, it, I mean, it's just good. It's the same way with our iPhones, you know, sure. our iPhones are backed up to the iCloud, you know, yeah. we pay $30 a month almost to back that stuff up because yeah. you can lose your phone at any time. Yeah. You, you see what I'm saying? It's just always good to have a, a, a backup of something. Yeah. So, you know, when you're shooting one card, you're shooting to both cards Yeah. and, you know, you just make sure that you always have that, that, right then and there, you know, so that way you don't have to worry about anything. That's fair. No, I guess saying that it was lost to me is probably not, not a, a, an accurate phrase. Cause I get the concept. I think when I saw that the, the photography industry kind of explode when that camera came out last year, I was like, yes. you guys are like, this is <laughs> a little bit of overreaction, a little bit of first world problem thing going on here because <laughs> the, the reality that, or the, the, the possibility, I guess that, you know, um, that, the one card corrupts and we can't do anything about it. It's not a super high likelihood. The flip side of that conversation is to your point, Livingston, having a backup in place at all times, it's just the safer way to go. And, and I, I get it. I get it. Uh, I had to at least play devil's advocate a little bit. But <laughs> I, I, I totally see where you're coming from and, and the point that you're making it, at this point. I mean, are, are there any pro bodies? I'm trying to, I guess. Yeah. Are there any pro bodies that don't have dual card slots at this point? Um, I'm not sure. Besides, I think Nikon, the one that Nikon made was probably the last one. And I think they're coming out with a new one yeah. that has, uh, both slots. Yep. I think the one Canon came out with had one slot as well. And then I think they just came out with one of their newer cameras that, that does have the, uh, two card slots in them. I don't think any of them do not have those two, um, those two slots. Okay. I think most of them have it. Okay. All right. Well, let, let's talk about the file management workflow that you've got in place for the sake of backing up files. It, you actually, you told me that you subscribed to the three, two, one backup rule. Was this something that you learned elsewhere or something that you came up with on your own? Yeah. Something I learned in the IT world, you know, it was kind of, we had tape backup is what we used to use. Yeah. 
And, um, you know, the tape, you know, you would, you would, some people would take the tape out and just put another tape in and, and just leave the tape there, you know, and some people may be too young and they don't know what tape backup is and that's fine. <laughs> but, um, but, um, you know, you would, you would take the tape out and leave the tape in the office, yeah. you know, but you don't have a copy off site just in case something happens. Yeah. So one of the rules that is is known across the IT uh, industry is the three two one backup rule, okay. and that's where I learned it at in the um, in the IT field. Okay, so then coming from the IT field, did you implement this right away when you started your business? Yes, absolutely. Okay, yep, cool. I sure did. Yep. All right, so let, let's get into it. Then we break that break that workflow down for us. So the three two one rule is you want to have three copies of your data on two different formats and you want to have one copy offsite. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm literally, you talked about pen and paper earlier. I'm literally doing the same thing. I'm, I'm taking <laughs> notes here. So the, the silence is me taking notes. So oh, three copies uh, of the data on yep. in two formats, two different, two different formats and yep. one copy offsite. All right. One copy offsite. So yep. let's, let's, let's take this one at a time and, and relate it to your workflow specifically. So three copies of your data, you already got two right off the bat with your dual card slots, right? Yeah. But I, I really don't even, I mean, I count them as one. Okay. Really? Okay. But, but, but when I'm, if, if I'm shooting a wedding on Saturday and then I have a, another wedding on Sunday, you know, and let's just say I need to use those cards yeah. then I need to make sure that I have that process in place for the wedding that I did on Saturday. Fair. You know? So I really don't count the cards as a backup. Okay. Now I know some people do and they say, Nope, I got those cards sitting at home you know, and they have multiple cards and all of that kind of stuff. But, but I don't, um, I don't really count that. My first copy is the copy that goes, um, on my computer. That's pretty much my first copy. Um, and then, um, the three different copies that I have is, um, on my, uh, on my server, um, which is, a which is a, a um, a NAS, a network attached storage server. And, um, that is running raid. So, um, it's about four to six drives inside that um, enclosure, and the data is striped across. Well, not striped. Um, the data is on all of those disks. Okay. So if something happens to one of those disks, any of the other ones can, um, you know, any of the other ones still have the data. So it sounds complicated, but I mean, it's all automated. You right. know, it goes back to those processes that I use, you yep. know, so <laughs> is but it's all automated. And and with that RAID server, this mm-hmm. is so terrible. I can't remember the name of the brand that was so popular with the photography industry back in the day. What, Synology. Is it, is it Synology? Okay. I think so. Yep. What what's it? Is that the one that you're using or you're using a different system? No, I'm using a Synology. Yep. Okay. That's what I'm using. Does it take a long time to get that, that whole thing set up, that process set up? No, it, it was, uh, it's pretty straightforward. Now for someone who's not in, like my background is IT. So <laughs> it was pretty straightforward for me, you know, because I've used VMware and all of those, um, you know, all of those programs back when I was in the, in the IT world, you know, but, you know, so when I got the server, you know, it was, it was kind of like, oh, oh yeah, I know what this is, you know, and, and they got it so streamlined that, I mean, it's, it's like, it's really, really easy. They made it so for someone who does not have an IT background, anyone can do it. 
So it was pretty easy to get set up, you know, and they got a lot of, um, you know, tools and help sections on there that'll help you as well. So it was pretty easy. Okay, cool. So you've got that. So you, your three copies then really, that's where they are. They're sitting on that RAID server across multiple disks. So we got the, yes. So we got the, we got the one that's on a computer and then um, we got the uh, ones that the, because the computer copies is the copies that I'm going to actually use to work on. I can, okay. I can work, I can work off of my server as right. well, right. but you know, with Lightroom and we all know how Lightroom is sometimes, Yeah, you know, um, I like to have that natively on what I'm working on. So I have that copy on a computer and then I have the other copies on the server. Got it. Okay. Got it. All right. Computer raid server. All right. So that you got your three copies and then mm-hmm. the two formats, are we talking like JPEG raw or what do you mean by two formats? So the two formats is, um, and, and, you know, my two formats is the, my server is backed up to an external hard drive. Oh, wow. So and I know that sounds crazy, but you know, my, my my RAID system is backed up to an external hard drive that sits right next to my server. So that way, you know, if, you know, I mean, if, you know, I got in my RAID array that I'm running, I'm running four drives in it, four, four terabyte hard drives in my, my setup that I have. Okay. So it's, it's a total of 12 terabytes. I mean, 16 terabytes is what I'm running. Wow. And one of those drives is dedicated specifically for uh, keeping a backup of, you know, the settings and everything else that's going in there. So I'm using probably around 12 terabytes and that one drive is used for redundancy. That is nuts. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and, and this is all automated. It's not something that I have to go in and do, but you know, it's, it's all automated. And then that server is backed up to an external hard drive that sits right next to it. Just to, just in case, something happens let's just say something happens with the with the power of the sir uh you know the power cord or something like that you know i still have that backup of that server right next to it you know so i can use that if you know if anything goes wrong so that's my second format right there my one is my raid my second one is my external hard drive okay all right and then from that point you're going to an offsite backup. Now, is this like a cloud-based backup? Or are you taking yes. your... Okay. I, I, I used, yep. like back in the day, and this shows how old school, I, I guess that I was, <laughs> or the time frame in which I was shooting, I used to take, I had my offsite backups literally in a bank vault. So I, I had yep. external backups on site. Uh, and then I would, I don't know, every month or two or so, I'd, I'd take backups and go put them in the bank vault, <laughs> which is so funny yep. to think about. But you're talking about cloud backups. Now I am. I used to use the bank bank vault as well. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I would I don't, take I don't my hard alone. drive. Yeah, I would take my hard drive and you know just take it to my bank and I would do it um once or once every two weeks or something like that. Nice. And just put it in there, leave it in there, and then bring it back, put some more stuff on it, and take it back. That's what I used to do. But now, um, you know, again, back to those processes, it's all automated. You know, I'm backing up to um uh, Backblaze is where I'm backing up okay, everything cool. to now. Yep. So, and, and that's my off offsite copy. And, um, I, I would think that they have redundancy as well, oh, probably sure. in, in, in different States or different countries, yep. you know? So, 
Um, but yeah, that that's that's my process, man. So my my raid um, server, um, my Synology server is backed up to an external hard drive. And then the the raid server is also backed up offsite to Backblaze. So that way, you know, I don't have to worry about losing anything. And by the way, for those of you who are, were curious, Synology, S-Y-N-O-L-O-G-Y.com. We'll link to that in the show notes um, if you want to get more information about that particular brand and the solution that they offer. And the external hard drive, I mean, do you recommend any particular brand? Have you had ex- success with any particular brands of external hard drives? External hard drives, um, I've been using Western Digital is the ones I've been using. Yeah, sim- very um, same actually. I had good success yeah. with those. Yep, yep. And I've, I've even, uh, believe it or not, Nathan, I've had them uh, one or two fail on me, whereas though it, it, the sectors, and, and I don't mean to get real nerdy, but... <laughs> Go for it. Um, the, the sectors uh, was just my, my it, it just wouldn't, they were just unreadable. Okay. So, um, you know, I reached out to them and man, they sent me another one within like, I would say seven to 10 business days. They had me another one. I had to send them that one, of course. And they sent me a, a, a new one. Well, not new, a refurbished one. Same thing that I had with no problems because it was under warranty. So a uh, big shout out to Western Digital for that. But yeah, I've never, I've always had great success with them. And and they own a lot of these companies now. I think they own like uh Seagate and and a couple of other brands. Interesting. Okay. You know, so if you buy one, you buy them all. (laughs) And then you mentioned Backblaze. How did you how did you land on that particular solution? And and can you just sum up the workflow that you're using there with them? Yeah, I was um, uh, with Backblaze. You have to create something called buckets. Okay. Uh, Same thing that you have to create with Amazon Web Services. Um, I don't think a, a lot of people think that Amazon is just a company that you know, it, it, they sell goods and sell the things that you need in your house. But most of their business and a big part of their business is, um, is cloud-based. Yeah. Um, AWS. Yeah. And I was using that, um, for a while. Um, you know, I, I mean, I was using AWS for a long time, you know, even back in my IT days, just to, you know, spin up some servers and test out some new software or something like that. Right. And, um, it starts to, it started to get really, really expensive, man. Interesting. you know, and then Backblaze, you know, I started to hear people talking about that a lot. And I just said, you know what, let me try this Backblaze out. So I just, you know, kind of just did a, a, a workflow, just backing up a couple of files to them just to see how much it would cost. Even though I did the calculations, um, on their website of, you know, if I'm backing up, you know, 200 gigabytes of data or, you know, one terabyte of data or two terabytes, how much is it? And it was pretty spot on, but it's almost like three quarters less than what I was being charged at Amazon. Wow. And nothing against Amazon sure. because they are awesome, you yeah. know, but it was just a fraction of the cost. So that's when I start to use Backblaze. Okay. And is that something that you can just turn on and is it mirroring your, your external drive or how do you have it set up? Um, well, what Backblaze does is um, Synology has software inside of it that you can make, you can link it to them and then you can put in a time where you want this to start to back up. Oh, and cool. My backup process is, uh, I think it's 10, 10 p.m. at night. 
I'm figuring I'm not doing anything, yeah. you know, you can have all of the bandwidth, you know, and I, and I got, um, I actually upgraded my bandwidth to, uh, a, to gig speed yep. just so it's, it can get there faster, yes. you know, so because upload speeds are not the same as download speeds. So again, I don't mean to get too nerdy, but <laughs> it's, it's um, nice to have that speed. I, it makes all the difference. I, my, yes. we got gig uh, service at my apartment and mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately I'm not getting a full gig throughput, uh, with, with my upload and download, but even having like the three or 400, even 500, I guess at times, um, up and download speed is, is pretty awesome. Even when it comes to something as simple as a Zoom conversation, <laughs> minimizing yes. the chance of any technical issues, but certainly yes. when it comes to backing up any information. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this has been really good, Livingston. I, I appreciate, I especially appreciate, in fact, simple, actionable insight. You know, it's it's one thing to get like super complicated and in a two hour presentation. I love simple, actionable information. And this is super helpful, super practical, super simple, and certainly actionable. And I'm going to recommend for all of our listeners, if you don't have a system in place, here is one that's not going to even take you that that long to implement. Go put something in place now. Uh, and this is certainly a great place to get started. I really appreciate your time, Livingston. Um, remind our listeners, if you don't mind, where they can find and follow your brand online. And on Facebook, uh, my Facebook page, uh, business page is uh, Livingston Lee Photography. On Twitter, um, I don't really do a lot on Twitter with photography. That's more so like my trading stuff and okay. trades I'm making and all that kind of nice. stuff. Yeah. Um, it's kind of just you know my way of having fun. Um, that is uh, Livingston Lee, and it has an underscore. Uh, Livingston Lee underscores for Twitter, and uh, Instagram is uh, Livingston Lee Photo. So um, that's how you can contact uh, me, and also uh, starting up a YouTube uh, page about um, you know some some other stuff uh, that I'm working on. So um, you can find me on YouTube at Livingston Lee. I'm going to start really really getting some videos up on that and uh starting this this my youtube strategy nice man all right cool i'm curious to follow that too we'll put all this in the show notes bocapodcast.com y'all make sure you take advantage of that resource huge and um thanks once again livingston this has been uh, this has been tons of fun yep thank you for having me thanks so much photographers for listening to the boca podcast Will you let us know what you thought of the show by leaving a review of the podcast in the Apple Podcast app? And I'd love to hear from you personally with your thoughts about the podcast and suggestions about future topics and guests for the show. My email is nathan at bocapodcast.com. Make sure to visit our sponsors, photographersedit.com, custom photo editing for the professional photographer, and milu.com, that's M-I-I-L-U.com, the simplest way to create and manage timelines and shot lists for the events you're photographing.